Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Anyway, like I was saying earlier, getting electrocuted is a weird feeling. Uh, ow! Fuck! <laughs> what did you do? Get out of my house, you witch! <laughs> what? what just happened? This thing is like getting electrocuted is a weird thing. I go to turn the fucking light switch on, and guess what happens? I get electrocuted, you witch! <laughs> get out of my house! I'm not a witch, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire! Did you see the, um... <laughs> Did you know it's because the air in this house is dry as shit? We need humidifiers on like yeah. all levels. The voltage levels are rising and crashing through. Crashing through. You're rather theatrical today. This is Doc. And this is Iggy. And you know what it is? It's the fly, baby. And Doc, what? Do we do? We take our pop perspective to put the culture in context and hopefully make some sense out of all the crazy shit that's been happening this week. What has been yes. happening this week, Zig? We gonna start it off with a new segment. What's your obsession? There's gotta be a better name for that. Tell me your obsession. Obsession by the flood. <laughs> No, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll workshop it. What, what's been on your, what has been living rent free in your brain this week, my nigga? You know what's actually been living rent free in my brain this week? What has been? And it's because of something I did on Friday. So I went and. So last Friday or just like two days ago? Like two days ago. Okay. So I went to Tournament City Games in Frederick. Shout out, Bodner Brothers. Love their Ooh, What kind of tournament? I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay. Okay. But not so not just Yu-Gi-Oh. I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Goat Format. Oh, so now, classic. For everybody Tradition. who doesn't know what Goat Format is, right. Tell them. we are playing Tell them with the cards and the rules that were released until like 2005. So we can only use cards that were released up to 2005. So you telling me they still releasing Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Like there's new characters and stuff? Oh yeah, but we oh. just choose to play the old ones because okay. all the new ones. Well, suck. look, all this is news to me. So break it down. Tell me, how did your tournament go? It was good. It was it was really fun. I got to um, I beat my friend Colin. He was really salty because he thinks he misplayed it. I don't, honestly don't see his line where he messed up. I got to play against three different types of decks. I went 2-1. I can safely say that I cannot remember the last time that I played in a card tournament and felt so wholly in control of the game. Whoa. It's wild because I'm playing and I'm like, Oh shit, this deck is only 40 cards. My opening hand, I see 15% of my entire deck. Wait, your opening hand, you said you saw 15% of your entire deck? Yeah, so if a deck is 40 cards, your opening hand is 5, you draw to 6. Okay, yeah, so... Your first turn, you have seen 15% of your entire deck. Right, so... So it's crazy how, like, consistent these things are, and... 
because of that, I just feel it's like it's like beautiful mind shit. So I've been spending this week, my obsession has been combing over goat format lists, goat format, card pool, and then also there's another format, which is the banned list up until 2010. Okay. Called Edison. Okay, so there are cards that are actually banned from, like, tournament duels and stuff like that that have been printed? Yeah, dude. How controversial can these cards actually be? Yadagarasu hasn't been legal since 2003. Okay, and um, as if we're speaking to a layman here, because I don't know when the last time I have seen a Yu-Gi-Oh card that didn't belong to you was, <laughs> what the fuck does Yadagarasu actually do? So Yadagarasu is a 200 attack power bird. Aren't most characters HPs like... Barely 200? Not barely 200. No, but no, no, like, no, 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 no. 200 is like a minuscule amount. So people start you, at 8,000 okay. life. Okay. This bird has 200 attack. This bird has been on the ban list since the ban list was created. Why? Because if this bird hits you directly, your opponent skips their draw phase. So... If you are attacked by, what's the character's name again? Yadagorasu. Yadagorasu. Right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to fuck it up. Uh, if you're attacked by Yadagorasu and it lands a direct hit, which is most hits in the game, am I correct? If you can set up the board to where it gets through directly. Directly. Yeah. I mean, it's not killing anything in battle. No. It's got 200. But you lose your ability to draw more cards at the end of your turn. So if I just keep hitting you with direct shots from this bird, I can the moment window that your the hand bird down, gets right? through and your opponent has no response, that bird gets through for the rest of the game. And your opponent can do nothing about it. So you can never block the attack once the attack has already landed? No, because they're never going to draw another card. Right. So he can just keep pinging Keep you. going with the stupid-ass bird. It's like... And then eventually find a way to get another monster into play. You know what that's like the equivalent of to me? When somebody is first learning how to play a fighting game and they learn how to do one move and spam it over and over and over again. I was super it. guilty of that with uh, Blaze Blue. Yeah. I played Jin Kisaragi and he just like would jump onto these like surfboards made of ice blades. And I was just like, ice cart, ice cart, ice cart. Yeah. And at a point, that move somehow always finds a way to become unblockable. Every Ryu player ever. For like an eight. Hadouken! So the thing I've Best been players obsessed in your with. fucking PK fire. So the thing I've been obsessed with this week is. A Black History Month feature, the MLK tapes, right? Um, and this comes up every now and again, especially around this time of the year. But it is widely known that there is a conspiracy that is, at this point is just proven, right? And if you've listened to the MLK tapes, which I think is an iHeartRadio presentation, mm -hmm. then you know that it's pretty likely that the United States government's FBI CIA branch partnered with partnered with the Memphis Police Department and the mob to assassinate Martin Luther King. 
And it's not really a conspiracy because Martin Luther King's family and the estate took the United States to court over the conspiracy and won. Um, and the MLK tapes is def is kind of just like a re-examination of the whole event and looking at how James Earl Ray was probably just a patsy and you know a scapegoat for the actual conspirators who like I said were the United States government's FBI CIA along with the Memphis Police Department and the mob who all had their reasons um, for wanting Martin Luther King dead. Well, uh, now that Martin Luther King is dead, what are we gonna do? I guess we'll bring a bunch of crack into the inner cities. Happy Black History Month. A very interesting tale. Um, I'm learning lots of pieces of information that I didn't already know because I had already been exposed to the conspiracy, but this, I think, is one of the first times that it's really been given the in-depth look that it deserves. Or I guess maybe the first time that that in-depth look is making the rounds around the zeitgeist. Uh, shout out to TDZ. But, but also, fuck, fuck TDZ. TDZ. Also, there was a YouTuber by the name of Wendigoon who did like a brief little dive. It was like an hour and a half uh, dive into the whole conspiracy theory. And yeah, no, if you haven't started listening to it or haven't checked in on it i definitely recommend the mlk tapes because it's uh pretty wild some of the stuff that went on james earl ray was supposed to have shot martin luther king from a bathroom window that was blocked by a tree by the time that the investigative team showed up to the crime scene to really investigate the crime scene the tree had been removed um just one of the interesting things that you may or may not have known um, about the whole thing. I'm just throwing this out there that um, the Kirk that uh, the shotgun that Kirk Cobain shot himself with, there was no fingerprints on it. I like how you cut in in this moment of Black History to interrupt with the tale of a sad, forlorn white guy. There were no fingerprints on the gun. Happy Black History Month. Um, yeah, no, uh, James Earl Ray's fingerprints weren't on the murder weapon either. How conspicuous. Yeah, um, no, there's lots I of like how you said murder weapon, though, when talking about Kurt Cobain, because I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> Happy Black History Month, if I haven't said that enough, because I also feel like we didn't say it last episode, even though... Uh, we were not recording in February. No, I mean, that's fair. If you've listened to this podcast enough, then you already know how we get down over here. But how we get down over here is diving deep into some of the trending topics that may have happened this week you know speaking of things that have happened this week all of us are dead a new south korean drama is currently trending at number two on netflix right now when i say drama i use that in a loose sense it's a zombie it's, it's a zombie series yeah it's a very very brutal zombie series. They look um, like rage zombies. Yeah, no, South Korea does zombies great. If you've seen Train to Busan, then you already know how South Korean zombie flicks get down. They just keep coming with more heat. Uh, we're going to talk about the Boondocks reboot or the ill-fated Boondocks reboot. We're also going to get into some Batgirl news as well as some Dr. Dre news. Uh, we're going to talk about Kim and Kanye's very public online parenting drama as well as Whoopi Goldberg's 
very public ignorance drama. We're going to talk about Joe Rogan's apology. Uh, we've also got some political news for you guys this week. And a few other things. We have a couple of sports updates. Some funny, some interesting. The Red Hot Chili Peppers released a new single, and spoiler alert, it's fucking good. Ah, all right. I'll tell you about Tales from the Political Campaign, but I just want to start off by saying that Doc and I once again called it. This motherfucker don't miss. No, he's fucking good. That motherfucker don't miss, man. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. No. What do you mean, Zig? How did how did we call it this week? This you know time. how we were saying that it's uh, you know just lazy to gender shift and race shift people in the same story over and over uh, again. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Black I... and Bolin. Why? What's different? When you showed me this originally, and let okay, hold on, let's get. Oh, did we not call this? Not Black and Bolin. But we called this idea. Like this is one of those. I'm just like, why? Just why? The show is a reimagining of the Anne Boleyn story, King Henry VIII's wife. This is the one that was second the, wife. Second wife, right? This, I mean, all of them were beheaded. So who is this? Uh, hold on, give me a second because I'm trying to figure out exactly. I mean, we already said like Anne Boleyn. I'm trying to give show details. With the pussy so good, it ruins European politics for the next thousand years? Jodie Turner-Smith is set to play Anne Boleyn in a three-part drama called Anne Boleyn, uh, being produced by, was it Amazon? So, yeah, they've got a new reimagining of the Anne Boleyn tale being told on Amazon, starring Jodie Turner-Smith of Queen and Slim fame. The trailer and everything looks top-notch, right? Like, what it looks like what we've come to expect from these historical dramas. Um, you know, it's very regal. The set pieces look like they're well-designed and stuff like this. So, you know, Amazon, as has been noted, right? Like, they put their money where their mouth is when these things come, or as these things come. I just feel like it's lazy considering there are other tales to be told, right? Like, at the same time, Amazon is pulling this move, right? Which is just, you know, the uh, the racial recasting and reimagining of a classic European tale, which has already been told into the dirt, right? We have Viola Davis getting ready to star in The Woman King, which is a... Not in, I, original feels like a weird way to say it. it's okay. So it's a new story being told about the warrior queen from the Dahomey Amazon. It is right? a not previously adapted, right? Based on historical events story. It is a new tale to be told, right? So it, instead of recasting history, right, and telling narratives through different aspects. Stop right? being lazy. I I do feel like it's lazy, right? Because we've are there are new tales to be told, right? So we have this Gina Prince by the Wood directed film. Also, right? you have Viola fucking Davis. She can carry a show. But this so this is Viola Davis in the War or the Woman King, 
uh, adaptation, right? This film also has uh, John Boyega in it, and it looks like, you know, it's, it's bringing a new culture, it's bringing new narratives to the forefront in a time where everybody feels like we've got all these remakes and reboots and things like that. And this is the kind of thing that Amazon should be putting their money behind, but instead we are, and you know, with no disrespect to Jodie Turner-Smith, I just feel like this is a huge overshot, right? Like, and there are tales of African European nobility that they could be telling, but instead we are blackwashing another character for what reason, right? I, I just don't see the point. It does feel and entirely lazy. When I first saw this, I messaged you and I was like, so what really changes? Nothing, right? We're just right? telling like, these characters with, but, and that's to my point earlier, right? If this is what we are going to do, this feels like a misstep from Bridgerton, right? Like Bridgerton was able to tell a story of European nobility with a multiracial cast that didn't feel so heavy-handed, right? I can or already so tell overt. in this Anne Boleyn series, they're gonna have, like, King Henry VIII's family be like, but she's black. Blah, 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 blah. I, I don't even feel like that's what's gonna happen, but I do feel like this is just an attempt to kind of, like, happily ever after a classic tale that we've come to know already. And if you don't remember, Happily Ever After was that HBO series where they told all of the fairy tales, but some of them would have like a Caribbean twist, and others would have like a South Asian or yeah. an Eastern Asian twist to it. And that was cool, right? Like HBO did that at a time where multicultural things were this new kind of aspect to TV um, in a way that the 80s multicultural felt like campy and kitsch, right? Like, yeah. HBO brought in the happily, happily Ever After around a time where we were truly gaining an appreciation and not appropriating other people's cultures and other people's perspectives, right? Like, seeing Pinocchio told through the tale of, like, a West Indian perspective was a cool thing when we were growing up as kids. And I feel like this is kind of in the same box, but definitely misguided, you know? And, and I'm just, I I will be checking for The Woman King before I will watch this Anne Boleyn series. It and just I'm makes sorry, me really but... ask, like, who the fuck asked for this? Right. Yo, it's me. It's me, the guy who asked. What is this? But why? Hey, who man is this? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you do any of that? Who man is this? You serious? <laughs> I, I, I need to know, um, because I feel like so whoever's behind that shit definitely is not as tapped in as they think they are. I want to know who's behind two things I saw this week. Ooh, okay. One, Barstool Sports Malt Liquor. Excuse me, Dave Portnoy has a malt liquor? Yeah, it's like Mike's Hard Lemonade, but Barstool Sports branded. Wait, so it's not even like a Steel Reserve or no. like some kind no, of no, like no, craft no, no, no. brew malt no, no. liquor? 
Like yeah. I could totally see that for the bar stool like aesthetic, right? Like some no, kind the, of... the people that are carrying this out of the liquor store are wearing boat shoes. Damn, damn. I guarantee you. Oh, okay, okay. So, can you describe the bar stool? What's it called? Let me look that up real quick. But I saw it in the liquor store, and it was pink. And then there was some that oh, was yellow. Oh, you actually saw it in the liquor store. Yep. Damn. Damn. So this isn't just like a thing that it's like merchandise you can get off of their website. No, this, this is, is this is, this was in Christos. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Barstool. Listen, I'm not mad at it. You know, Nicki Minaj got mixed. Barstool Sports has teamed up with New Amsterdam Vodka to create Pink Whitney Vodka. A pink lemonade what? flavored spirit. What? What's it called? Pink Whitney Vodka. Pink Whitney? Okay, so is Whitney somebody on the staff? I don't know. Pink Whitney is a pink the lemonade. The result is an exceptionally smooth, great tasting pink lemonade flavored vodka that's sure to become a favorite of hockey fans across the nation. Hockey fans. They expect hockey fans to drink pink lemonade vodka, right? Which is 60 proof. Okay, so it's, I guess, higher testing a pink Starburst shot. Uh, I, listen, yeah. Okay, um, I just want to know where the name comes from. Yeah, I, uh... It doesn't, it doesn't even matter where the name comes from, right? So it's a new Amsterdam brand vodka, and if you've had new New Amsterdam's not bad vodka, it's better than Burnett. But <laughs> the- I freshman year of college, I'm walking down to my friend's apartment. It's like the first weekend, right? Okay. And these upperclassmen from their house are like, "Hey, you want to buy some vodka?" And I'm like, "All right, what?" These motherfuckers hey, hey, tried to sell me a bottle of Burnett's for twenty fucking dollars. <laughs> And wow, I looked at them. I looked at them and I told them. Violation. I, total violation. I looked violation. at them and I told them, I was like, look, I partied in Glen Burnie. I'm not that dumb. I partied in Glen Burnie. That's I'm not, not that dumb. Nothing. But still, like, anybody paying 20 you got to be like 16, right? Like, that's the only person paying $20 for a bottle of Burnett. I mean, it was nice when I went to Beach Week with How Steve. Shout bottle? out, Steve. You might be listening. We went to Beach Week and walked away with money in our pocket. How so? Oh, can you go get us a bottle? Oh, hey, mister. Hey, mister. Mr. J. Hey, mister. And yeah. uh, they uh, were like, can you get us a vodka? And we're like, great, $40. <laughs> wow. Next thing wow. you know, we show up with a plastic bottle and you flick it and goes, <laughs> Listen, taking advantage of the youth. Ooh, no, cut that. That's uh, the- listen. Taking advantage of the opportunity, I guess. Up Scammers got a scam. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Middleman. Uh, that middleman fee. DoorDash know all about that, right? Shout you know out! All about that, right? <laughs> oh, man. So, what else is on the uh, chopping block for products that nobody asked for this week? So, a bunch of Swedish scientists made a scanner that can be put in the toilet 
to identify people by their butthole. Excuse me, what? It's like, <laughs> basically, it's 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 like a retina scanner, but it's a, a rectal, rectal scanner. scanner. A rectal scanner. They invented for what reason would I or any household, right? Because I'm imagining this is a personal thing, right? Because you don't need a rectal scanner in a public bathroom. That feels like a total invasion of privacy. Yeah. As if this doesn't already feel like an invasion of privacy. For toilet seat settings, are we set? Are we. Are there toilet seat settings now? I don't understand. Please explain. My question Please is, explain. is it also a bidet? No. <laughs> I need you to explain. Why? Why is there a rectal scanner in my toilet? Oh shit, my brother's um, 23andMe results came back. Okay. That's exciting. And... 71% sub-Saharan Africa, right? With 53% being in West Africa, uh, 21% being Ghanaian and Liberian. Um, I can't see the rest of that, though. 25% um, European. 17% Northwestern European, mostly coming from the British Isles. Um, British, or broadly Northwestern European. Um, hold on. So, 17% Northwestern European, consisting of 16.3% British Irish, but there's also 5.4% Ashkenazi Jew in there. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. With a 1.4% East Asian Indigenous American. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you're like a global mutt well my brother <laughs> okay i mean like i have my sister had hers done well is this Derek or your other brother this is Derek. okay yeah that's wild so we might have some native american by native american by the way of southeast asia okay so um it's not sweden it makes even more sense where it's from Stanford. Wait, it's Stanford that made the butthole rectal scanner? Yes, the university. Really? Uh, scientists at Stanford University have developed a smart toilet that can identify people based on their butt and monitor the health of their poop and pee. The smart toilet, which the Stanford team published an article about this week in Nature Biomedical Engineering, was designed as a continuous health monitoring device like a smartwatch it uses cameras it's a fitbit toilet it uses cameras and motion sensors to identify a range of disease marker in stool and urine including colon cancer and prostate cancer so it's a fitbit toilet yeah they made it's a, a fitsit it's a fitsit <laughs> with a rectal scanner that monitors the health of your waste product <laughs> Oh, that monitors the health of your poop. And I... Okay, so this makes it a bit more reasonably invasive. It still feels invasive. I'm not sure how I feel about a rectal... It's a fit-sit with a rectal scanner. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about a fit-sit with a rectal scanner. Uh, but after this break, 
will tell you how I feel about Netflix's new series, All of Us Are Dead. Break! So Netflix dropped a new series on January 28th, uh, currently sitting at a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. All of us are dead. It's based off of a webcomic series now at our school by uh, Ju Dong Gwen, ran uh, that ran between 2009 and 2011, right? And the adaptation was created by and directed by Lee J Kyo and has 12 episodes, all of them around like an hour or whatever, uh, and one season so far on Netflix, right? The show revolves around trapped students trying to escape their high school, which has become ground zero for a zombie virus outbreak, right? Very reminiscent of an anime I used to love. High School of the Dead. Dead right? Um, which is why I brought up the webcomic that it's actually based on because I feel like a lot of people would be remiss for thinking that it was like a reimagining of high school. I did see a meme and I didn't get it until you told me to watch the show where it was like what I grew up with High School of the Dead. Right. What you have, uh, All of Us Are Dead. Listen, um if All of Us Are Dead is the spiritual successor to High School of the Dead I feel like we are in good hands here, right? Um, from the first few minutes of the episode, right? It opens up with a very intense anti-bullying. <laughs> like, oh my lord, that guy got the brakes beat no, out of him. Uh, yeah, no. It was like six straight minutes of them whooping, whooping this guy's his ass. ass. Son, whooping his, I mean, like they literally was like stomping on this nigga. He, and they almost crushed his head. I knew something was wrong when they almost crushed this nigga's head, right? Yep. Don't kick him in the head! He's had enough! And fucking, the blood veins started, like, Yeah, across yeah, the I was like, nah, something's not right. He should be down, right? Like, he should be down. He got thrown off a building! So, apparently, the school, I don't know if you picked up, but this school has, a like, a reputation for the fights that happen on the roof is what it seems like. Remember when... Uh, fucking, what was the character's name? Was oh, it? yeah, and the girl was like, yeah, meet me on the roof. Yeah, uh, what was her name, dude? Wasn't it Anjo? No. I, anyway, yeah, it was Anjo, right? Uh, Victoria Grace. And then she tried to ask the dude out or whatever. She was like, yeah, come see me on the roof. I want to talk to you about something. He was like, what, you want to fight? I was like, damn, they be fighting girls in school? So apparently the school go hard, I don't know. Um, it so it's a coming of age tale, right? Because you've got like buddy Boom. romances. I and came love up with triangles. something. What, what what did you come up? With? That gang that whooped the shit out of those guys or that guy? Right. Kuwabara and friends. Uh, if that be the case, then uh, is it cool to give out spoiler alerts? Go for one it. of them niggas definitely got his face bit off, son. And uh, kind of like one of Kuwabara's friends. <laughs> Fair. There. Okay. Uh, so this is the Yu Yu Hakusho adaptation that we've been waiting on. Has that dropped yet? That hasn't dropped. That yet. has not dropped. We're yet. not talking about. Trust that. me. 
I will let you know when that one drops. We're talking. If I power. watch three episodes of How I Met Your Father, you best believe I'm gonna watch the live action Yu Yu Hakusho all the way through. Well, regardless. Let me tell you, um, I watched the entire first episode of this shit, and as soon as we're done this, I'm going to watch the second episode. Uh, the cinematography done by uh, Park Se Swin. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I'm trying. Have you noticed? I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> Is um. Dude, it's great, though. And that's why I'm trying, right? Because I want to bring recognition to the people who are putting this shit together. And we're definitely seeing the distinct Korean cinematography style between um, this and Squid Game. Oh, yeah. It's much more graphic. It Okay, so that was one of my notes, right? One of my first reactionary notes was this is the very visceral, right? From the very opening scene, the... The way the hits land, the soundboard, right? Like the fucking soundboard in this movie, like you hear the bones crunching and shit. Well, you, the way that they the way film they it. bite into people. The way know? that they're filming this and the way that they filmed Squid Game reminds me of the American movie, which is an adaptation of a comic book, Sin City. In it's the like way, a noir style. No, in the regards of the way Sin City was shot. The, the shots were shot to look like a comic book panel. Right, okay, I get what you're saying. And I can kind of see that, right? Um, like in Squid Game, when they have everybody walking up through the um, the building, and yeah. they, they have all of the, like, it's, it's shot from, like, a, a top-down perspective, so you see all of it. It almost looks like um, Pee-wee's Playhouse mixed with Hogwarts. Ooh, okay. So the show is being described as an action, drama, fantasy, horror, sci-fi thriller, right? All-encompassing. I, like I said, I feel like it's very uh, brutally graphic, along with, like, just the visceral nature of the way it's shot. I feel like it's very... Excessive or no? No, I don't... Well, some people might call it excessive, right? But when I think zombie flick, right, you want... And that's what I think these Korean produced shows do a really good job. At, well, I right? mean, within like, the first 20 minutes, they had a dad beat his son to death with a Bible. Fucking Bible, right? And that feels, in America, that might feel a little heavy-handed, but you gotta remember this is Korea where Christianity is looked at a little bit differently. And I feel like the heavy-handed like, it, it was a very heavy-handed literally, image, right? Like, literally. <laughs> I see you picking up what I'm doing. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, I think the brutally graphic nature of the show is very uh, perfect for the actual tone. That's the word of God is powerful. I think the pacing is great, right? Like, they didn't rush right in the build-up. The way they built up the tension while developing the characters And in they the show, introduce it with tension without right. making it, like... The first thing you see is a giant torrential rainstorm and this guy's getting his ass whooped. Whoa. Right, right. Um, and then later carried off in a suit. I feel like they- But there's a twist! He's not done! What a twist! The pacing in the show is great. I like the way they're building, like I said, character dynamics and character narratives so far. You can- the, uh, This feels like a high school, right? Like, the- from the bullying down to the suicide prevention by mass death. <laughs> like, 
I don't know if you got there yet, right? But so that's why I said it's That sounds like five. some attack on Titan shit. Yo, listen, listen. Somebody, the one girl was about to off herself, right? You know. And By the way, when the season ends for Attack on Titan, we need to do a roundup, and we probably need a big. We probably need to bring Lil B on for that. I mean, that's fair. I'm definitely gonna have to binge it from beginning to end again because. I'm slowly moving away, as I've said. I'm slowly moving away from YouTube for reasons we'll talk about a little bit, which is unfortunate because we're also, check out our YouTube channel at the Flood Pod. <laughs> this show, I feel like, has the potential to be just as good as Squid Game. And I really feel like, you know, with this parasite train to Busan, you know, the Korean film, uh, Minari. Huh? Minari, right. Uh, the Korean film industry is really proving to be a heavy hitter compared to like Hollywood, right? And they are, once again, you know, I, I'm, I guess high school kids, as we discussed, in the middle of a zombie apocalypse is not a new idea, right? It's not a new take on anything, but they are doing it in a way that feels fresh. And maybe, maybe just maybe it feels fresh to me because I'm an American and I'm tired of seeing an American take on things, right? But I definitely feel like this show was worth all of its like hour and six minutes. Okay. And I'm looking over at your wall right now and your Eric B and Rock Kim vinyl and I'm just thinking, Korea ain't no joke. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Oh man. Um and the episode ending had an excellent cliffhanger at the end, which is why I said I'm definitely going to turn this shit on as soon as we are done. As soon as we're done recording. Um because if you haven't heard all of us are dead. There's a reason why this shit is number two in the country right now, streaming on Netflix. Your infant daughter enjoyed it. <laughs> I did not let my infant daughter watch Officer Dead. <laughs> Another thing I won't be letting my infant daughter watch is the Boondocks reboot. And that's not because I wouldn't let her watch the Boondocks reboot. It's because it's not happening. At least it won't be moving forward on HBO Max. According to Deadline, HBO Max has decided not to proceed with the planned 2019 reboot of the Boondock series. Um, the series was set to launch in the fall of 2020 with a 50-minute special, uh, but Sony is currently evaluating other options according to Deadline, but it does not look like it's going to be happening anytime soon. I mean, Cedric Yarbrough, uh, the guy who played Tom, mm -hmm. is, I mean, we all, the actor who, we know Cedric Yarbrough is, right? Yeah. Like, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're familiar with Cedric Yarbrough. Uh, he was speaking to um, a podcast, I think called The Geek Squad or something like that, and he was saying pretty much the same thing that, yeah, man, they pulled the plug, and as much as he would love to see the show brought back into the forefront, it just doesn't look like it's gonna happen anytime soon disappointing i mean I, I but also i honestly imagined how they were going to move forward without john witherspoon in the first place right being one of the main trio right it seems like a difficult maneuver to make i was wondering how some people would get along without a different john and that was the Red Hot Chili Peppers without John Frusciante. 
But we got the first Red Hot Chili Peppers single with John Frusciante back in Oh Lord. And does it feel good? Listen, uh, you want to describe it to the listeners? What was the song called? So the song is called, it's called Black Summer. Okay, okay. (laughs) Like I said, it was named like something stupid. It sounds like a name. It sounds like the name of a song fucking dancing. Shout written. out to Black History Month. <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers released Black Summer during Black History Month, which is in winter. We won't discuss the irony of that. How did the song sound? It brought layers back to the Chili Peppers sound. Okay, so like we said, like I was telling you about the song Venice Queen before, like that intro where it was. John's guitar that really carried the buildup, and then Anthony like flattened it. But the last two albums, like they've been good. I like Josh Klinghoffer as a guitar player. I saw them live with Klinghoffer. He was amazing. They were amazing. But the music that he wrote with them. So if I could describe their differences, John Frusciante is a virtuoso who damn basically damn, okay. everybody like my man said immaculate right he can do nothing wrong <laughs> but, he's he's a virtuoso and everybody just kind of has to follow john's lead damn damn i mean listen if you really listen to john Frusciante's contributions to that band it's abundantly there's clear no argument. It, there's no it's argument. no argument he is okay. the most important band member so with him returning to the group, you feel like it brought a dynamic the Chili Peppers have been missing. Yes, right? because he has this super atmospheric, layered, texturized sound and style to his guitar. And while Klinghoffer is very good, the original music that they made with Klinghoffer, his style is much more um, ornamental. Right. So it's just like small details and while he's a great guitar player for the Chili Peppers you need that guitar to really lift and add the layers to the music over top of Flea's iconic slap bass to develop a full encompassing sound okay so what kind of sound did this new track have? What did Black Summer sound like right? Are we talking is this riding music? Is this open a book and chill like is this roll one this is, music this is like, kind of like your, your classic about? 90s stop start style of rock okay so you know like you listen to smells like teen spirit and it's right. like no bono, the mosquito and then it goes like like right it's it's got a very so very ambient right but then with like peaks of uh let me just throw this on and skip through i mean i don't know if we can clear this but <laughs> a lazy rain am I. Okay. the skies refuse to cry Creation takes its 
And this is what I mean by Prashanta. Yeah, like, so, yeah, no, this sounds, this sounds Chili Peppers, right? Like, this is what I think of. This is the kind of sound I think about, or anybody thinks about when they hear it. This is why Prashanta is the most important. Right. This right. is the Chili... So, when I saw the Chili Peppers, one of the coolest things about seeing them is... Um, one of the coolest things about seeing them was the in-between songs. Anthony, the singer, would just walk off stage and it would be Flea, Chad, and Josh. And they would just jam for like five minutes. They kind of, would you call them a jam band? I mean, it's like, so I don't I wouldn't call them, them in the realm of like fish or anything. I wouldn't call them a jam band. Just say that I think they're the perfect collaborative. Ooh, that's heavy. <laughs> like, I think, I mean, they've been around as a band since like 1983. Okay. At least Flea and Anthony. Right. They went to fucking high school together in Michigan. So you just think, you know, sonically they get each other, right? And yeah. they work well enough to produce timeless. I get, I get it. And John Frusciante is just do one you, of the greatest so guitar players like... in the world. Do you feel like this means there's a Chili Peppers album on the way? Or? Oh, there already is. Oh, so there's one out. This is just a single from This the is the single oh, okay. Okay. of the upcoming album, which they are touring for with the Strokes. Well, there you have it. So everybody was freaking out about the When We Were Young Festival, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just go see the Chili Peppers and the Strokes. Uh, Two of my favorite bands, you know, no big deal. No big deal, but we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back with uh, some pop culture drama after this. Yup! So I saw some question that was trending on uh, one of our favorite groups on Facebook, Urban Anime League. Shout out to Urban Anime League. Uh, what 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 do we have going on? Who are some side characters that steal the show? And the person that posted it was like Killua from Hunter X Hunter. So this is your and they way. were they were just keeping it focused on anime, but I'm thinking overall characters that I was gonna say side is this your way the show. Is this your way to champion Killua again? No 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 no, no, no. you wanna know who my first thought was? Who? Wild Deep Cut. Uncle Eddie from Grounded for Life. Damn, I definitely don't remember Grounded enough or Grounded for Life enough to remember fucking Uncle Eddie. He was the he was the crazy uncle, but like crazy as in like borderline psychotic. Right. Like, there was one episode, I can't remember why, but they were talking about porn, and he was just like, look, there's a website where all of the women are just wearing gloves, and that's it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Could you imagine stumbling upon some shit like that as a child and just... Like developing the weirdest kink that you could never get satisfied. Like, how do you bring that shit? Says up? the guy who watched Moulin Rouge looking to see tits. Um, <laughs> it was a movie about prostitutes. 
please explain to me how I was in the wrong. You were betting your odds. I get it. I get it. Watching a movie about French prostitutes. I was bound to see titties at some point if you really think about it. Did you? You don't have to really think about it. I don't even think there were. I'm pretty sure there's a titty or two in Moulin Rouge. I'm not this, you're not gonna trick me into watching Moulin Rouge again. I was gonna so say, we need a lighthouse update. Some titties. But who I, are some side characters in a series that you think may have stolen the show? Skeletor from Masters of the Universe, but I don't know if that counts. I hate when you bring these up at random and don't give me time to think about the shit, right? Now, I'm like, okay, so the first one that came to mind was Man from the Fifth Flow, Martin, right? Um, Fresh Prince has a couple. Jazz, Jeffrey. Right. Uh, dude, um, that makes me think about the nanny, right? What the fuck is the butler's name in the nanny? Goddamn. Besides, like, if we're going to talk about me standing for a Hunter x Hunter character, side character that steals the show, I'm pretty sure we know who I would first start with. Does he really steal the show, though? Hisoka? I wouldn't say he steals steals the show show every time he's on screen. As much he makes everybody feel uncomfortable. He doesn't steal the show the way Daniel Davis's Niles in The Nanny does. Right? Like, Hisoka makes me physically uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Like, I don't want that guy talking to anybody. Seto Kaiba. <laughs> okay. Seto motherfucking sticking Kaiba. To, I mean, but that's Vegeta, though, right? Like, Vegeta was one people said. A lot of people said Piccolo. the other three characters from Yu Yu Hakusho, even Kuwabara. Fucking Piccolo, right? Piccolo. Um, Positive black male role model right there. Krieger from fucking uh, Archer, right? Stephen Colbert, right? You think about The Daily Show. Stephen Colbert started off as a big character on The Daily Show that was so good he eventually got his own fucking show, The Colbert Report, right? Uh, So now we're just talking about spinoff characters. And since we're talking about spinoff characters... Family Guy Adam West. It's been reported by giant freaking robot sources that uh, our pod favorite, and I think, you know, everybody's favorite, Brendan Fraser, who has recently been announced to be playing Firefly in the Batgirl movie alongside uh, Leslie Grace and Michael Keaton, may be getting his own spinoff series as the character Firefly. We Uh, all just want Brendan Fraser to come back and be happy. Right. I'm like, is this how much we want Brendan Fraser back? Right. We just want Brendan Fraser back and to be happy. That's all we want. He hasn't said anything racist yet. He hasn't said anything sexist yet. Nobody knows who he voted for. They had the Mummy reboot and it sucked. Right. You want to know what? People were like, where's Brendan Fraser? I mean, like, nobody knows disrespect to Tom Cruise, but as long as you still bang with Scientology, I, I fuck with Lee Rimini and I can't fuck with you, yo. Like, that's all I'm saying. Um, we out here. Him being a Scientologist makes sense for him being a Tony Stark variant. Do you think he's really gonna be, because that was another giant freaking robot article that, uh, 
Tom Cruise may be a Tony Stark variant yep. in the uh, upcoming Doctor Strange movie, which the uh, trailer, not the trailer, but uh, some movie posters have dropped for showing some of the Doctor Strange variants, right? And I'm wondering if they're all going to be played by Benedict Cumberbatch or who Who could you see as a Doctor Strange variant? Jonathan Majors. <laughs> <laughs> Serious answer now. Probably, I, I'm thinking like an old version of Doctor Strange. Yeah, it's not Clooney. One, right? Ooh, you couldn't see George Clooney as a Doctor Strange variant? Not an old Doctor Strange variant. I could definitely see George Clooney. Sean Connery. Really? <laughs> okay, is Old Man Strange? You, I don't like the way Old Man Strange sounds. <laughs> As great sage, Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay. Old Man Strange got that Ripken drip. Uh, no. No. Okay, this is the whole show. Okay. No. Um, okay. So who's another? Like, damn, I'm trying to think. You think we get uh, Ben Affleck as like a Doctor Strange? Variant? No, no, no. We get Ben Affleck as a Tony Stark variant, <laughs> and Matt Damon is the Steve Rogers variant, and Kevin Smith directs that movie, and it's just literally Civil War but remade into Dog. So, how much money do you want to put on a Tony Stark variant that is also Ben Affleck and a Captain America variant? Because, listen, listen, we're in, like, fucking Wild West territory right now, right? Like, they've already done the What If series, and that is purely to set up, like, if you really look at the strategic, like, placement so here's, here's, of these shows. Here's how it's going to happen, right? Listen, they showed us how Scarlet Witch can mess with reality timelines, right? And they showed us the extent of that time, like, that reality warping shit with the What If series. So now that Spider-Man and Loki have really, like, goofed things with, like, yeah. the timeline that we are currently in, with the universe that we're currently in, uh, I feel like they're just gonna open the fucking floodgates with the Doctor Strange's Menagerie of Madness, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> Spider-Ham. Bring back Spider-Ham. Really? That's what. That's where you think we should go with this. What about Orlando Bloom? Could you see Orlando Bloom being a Doctor Strange variant? Oh, duh. Yes. Or, or Johnny Depp, right? Like, do we get Johnny Depp as a Doctor Strange variant? I want Johnny Depp as some like really crazy, really out there. Yeah. I feel like Johnny Depp would have made a better Morbius than. Um... Yeah, like I mean, I would want Johnny Depp as like Adam Warlock. They still haven't introduced Adam Warlock yet. Have no. They? He's supposed to be in the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but I... Which is supposed to be uh, the last one featuring that lineup as well, right? Uh, I think Chris Pratt will be retiring as... Because he has to go do every other role in Hollywood ever. <laughs> um, it's a voice acting role? Get Chris Pratt. Get Chris Pratt on the job. Go, Chris Pratt, 
go. Do, 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 do. You know how I once said that nobody is more upset about the ending of Game of Thrones than people who named their daughter Daenerys? Okay, where where are we going with this? Washington Commanders! Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Commanders! Yo. Really? Yo. We seriously thought that that was a red oh, fucking oh herring. Ah, so it was? Wasn't red it? Wolves was right there! Dude, no, seriously, this is a very, very egregious case of reading the room wrong. I don't know what billion dollar marketing team was behind the decision on that, but the fucking commanders, dog? Like, the general consensus I've been seeing is no, people like Washington football team more. Oh, absolutely, dog. Washington generals would have been fucking better than Washington commanders. Like, well, they can't woo. be the Washington generals. That's the team that always loses to the Harlem Globetrotters. Son, the Commanders? I said on Twitter, verbatim, at Signature Doc, um, <laughs> this has to be punishment for making them change the name in the first place, right? Like, as you said, as everybody said, they might as well just stuck with Washington football team. Because the Commanders ain't it, Chief. <laughs> it ain't the Chiefs. It ain't the Redskins. It ain't the Red Wolves. The Red Wolves. Red Wolves crazy. is perfect. This has to be a troll, right? Yeah. Like, now we have the team in Washington with the abbreviation the Commies. Extra plus two, minus two, extra minus, minus two, two. <laughs> extra minus two. Um, dude, dude, what? That shit is egregiously off the mark. Like, and the logo looks pretty much the same as the Washington football team logo. It's trash all the way around, dog. There's no other fucking way to cut that shit. It looks like the University of Minnesota uniforms. It literally looks like they gave the fuck up. It looks like they gave up. And they were like, I don't know. Who knows what's going to make them happy? Redskins fans are used to that, though. Who knows what's going to make them happy? Who's the fucking owner of the Redskins? Dan Snyder. Yeah, no, Dan Snyder is definitely pissed off that y'all made him change the name in the first place. And he was just sitting up there going, who knows? They're going to find something wrong with Red Wolves. Peter's going to come after me next or some shit like that. Like, fuck out of here. Oh, my God. They, honestly, if they just went full into Washington football team and they did it like a soccer club. Yeah. That right. would actually be kind of cool right. because of how kind of dumb it is. And how they live. Yeah, no, it would have been better if they just gave up and settled with Washington football team. Like, fuck it. I don't know. Instead, they came out with this insult of a fucking name. Yeah, and like, like at that point, like Washington football team, like you could just be, you know, like your logo could end up looking like the Manchester United logo. Just, you just be you know, WFT, or you could even be like Washington Football Club. Yeah, this ain't it. Uh, just like Kim and Kanye arguing about their parenting discourse on Instagram. Because Kim will let Kanye see his kids. You laugh at that shit, right? But it, I mean, listen, when I heard Kanye uh, explain why he bought a house next door to Kim, it as toxic as a, a move as it is, it makes sense. 
right? Like, especially when, you know, he claims allegedly that Kim wouldn't even let him see North on her birthday and shit like that, right? How like, close are the front doors to each other? I don't know, but I know that it's... Is it like Kanye walks out to get his morning paper and looks over the, hedge, the hedges and goes, Hi, Pete! And I feel like that has a whole big thing to do with it. And I just think this shit is dumb, right? Like, because wasn't she literally just at his album listening party in a wedding dress, right? Or that album listening concert that, right, right. And then she go off and hooks up with Pete. And because Kanye is publicly, like, speaking on their relationship, now all of a sudden you keeping that nigga's kids from him? I, if that's what's really happening, I don't fuck with that. That's not cool, right? Like, okay, I, sure, Kanye's not the most stable person on the planet, but if that's the case, then you need to, like, be real with the nigga about it. And I, I don't know. I mean, even non-stable parents in divorce cases get supervised visits. Right. And, like, you know, Kanye recently was... Uh, making a public outcry about North being on uh, TikTok, right? And doing TikTok lives and shit like that. And Kim was boasting about how she didn't see how it was a big deal or anything like that. And uh, even, uh, who is it? Courtney's son. I saw a post about how Courtney's son, Mason, chimed in and, you know, really advised Kim to not let North on TikTok because of people doing shit like screen recording and taking mm-hmm. stuff out of context kind of like our friend Joe Rogan claims to have had happen to him right uh, so I find which Whoopi cannot claim happened to her I find it we'll talk about that here after this but I, closing out on the whole Kim thing like as far as the TikTok stuff goes it's just I don't know if you remember but it wasn't but like fucking five years ago that Kim was like robbed and tied up in the bathroom in Paris and shit like that (laughs) so putting North on TikTok live might not be the best of ideas so once again whereas Kanye looks crazy when he does things he might not be as crazy as posting TikTok's terms of services on his Instagram feed really seems like it is, right? Like, this, these are high-profile celebrities who should be careful. Like, the rest of us need to be careful when we do things on social media. Yeah, right? it's really... I mean, everything you do on social media can get noticed. Kind of like how Drake unfollowed ASAP Rocky and Rihanna Listen. after that they announced that they are pregnant. He may have... Okay, so I feel like this is just salacious shit, right? Because I I saw somewhere that he unfollowed Rihanna like months ago. May have been like years ago. Probably when it was announced that her and ASAP Rocky were actually dating. I don't know if he recently unfollowed ASAP Rocky, but... I don't feel like that looked good for Drake either. Certified nope. lover boy, you you hurt? You hurt? This is like The Weeknd got that song, right? I heard you're getting married. Like <laughs> That song is allegedly about Ariana Grande, right? Who recently Bruno got Mars. married. Bruno Mars. I should have brought you flowers. Listen, listen. Uh, people, niggas is really out the memes about Rihanna being pregnant, yo. Like, I'm... I hope you happy, please. Like, 
is that Brock? I just hope. Here's what I hope. Here's what I hope. That ASAP Rocky is not another like Chris Brown Drake yes, situation please. for her, please. Like, yes, because I will be fucking. I personally will be devastated. Don't ask me why. I have like Rihanna should be happy in this. Yes, but I'm. <laughs> that's it. Rihanna should be happy, and I'm happy for ASAP Rocky because he been of hurt. All of the like mega past. pop stars over the past decade, Rihanna's probably my favorite. Listen. Listen, I'm I'm here for them. They they a cute little couple or whatever. Uh, but I need Kanye and Kim to get their shit together because it don't look good for two of like the two of like the biggest names in celebrity right now to be having open baby daddy baby mama drama on fucking socials, yo. That's messy. Well, shit. to be fair, it's generally not good when Kanye uses Twitter. Also, also, Kanye, you know, supposedly got Donda 2 dropping here in the next, like, week or so, so... The fuck? Maybe, maybe this is just, you know, publicity. <laughs> I mean, that's also par for the course for Kanye to do. Um, not par for the course, though, was Joe Rogan's apology tour that he made this week. Uh, apology tour seems a little heavy-handed, but I mean Joe Rogan dropped an apology video for uh, what everybody has seen at this at this point, right? I'm sure you guys have seen the clip make the rounds of Joe, uh, very, very prolifically using the N-word um, in what he admitted was poor, misguided attempts to be edgy, provocative, funny. Um, he said that a lot of it was taken out of context, but he also said a lot of it, even in context, was bad. Uh, it's, okay, so it's not hard, at least for somebody with a... somebody with some sense, right, to kind of assume the context, right? Like, it looks like a lot of these things were said in the basis of conversations that they were having around the word and Joe Rogan had no issues using the word. Just like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, right? Yep. Which will get brought up. Um, but I'll also bring up like on the po- on a podcast that I love, The Dollop, right? When Dave is doing particularly racist episodes, right? Telling tales, not particularly racist episodes, but episodes on particularly heavy-handed racist topics when recounting personal testimony dave uses the word right because it is the word that was used in the quote um i personally don't have a problem with that i also personally do not speak for the entire black delegation right yeah (laughs) it's not something that I feel like should be done as flippantly as it seems like Joe Rogan may have been doing, right? Which he even admitted, which is why he later qualified that statement, that the statement of the clips were taken out of context with, even with the context, this is bad, mm-hmm. right? Anytime someone has to say, I know this looks racist, but it's not good, Yeah. <laughs> right? 
what I appreciated about both of Joe Rogan's apologies up to this point, right? Because he has apologized about the Neil or to Neil Diamond about that whole controversy. And with this apology, right, is they both felt extremely genuine. And some people may disagree with that, right? But to me, it seemed like Joe Rogan really understood the impact of the clip that was circling about him. Right. Yeah. And what not just what it looks like to his image, but what it could mean for his personal life. Yeah. Right. Like and Joe Rogan, uh, to me, expressed a real disgust at that. Right. Like, yeah. He was he was it seemed to me like he was and I'm not I'm not here to apologize for Joe Rogan. Right. Or to champion a Joe Rogan. But I feel like if you are going to do an apology here are like two key foundations right acknowledgement and awareness right yeah <laughs> and it, joe rogan's apology felt like he wasn't trying to excuse what he did he was acknowledging what he did yep and he was aware of how it impacted and could have made people feel right um, and he didn't try to excuse that. He didn't place the blame on anybody else. He also did the third part of what is important in apology is he took ownership of yep. his response, you know, his mistake. That is why I feel like Joe Rogan will be fine. I don't feel like people are talking about how he shouldn't. A lot of what I saw, too in his comment feed underneath the video on Instagram was people saying he shouldn't have apologized. And this is just cancel culture, you know, coming for somebody who doesn't really deserve it. I think those people missed the message behind Joe Rogan's apology. Yeah. Right? Um, because Joe admitted that he deserved that, right? Just like he took ownership in the whole Neil Diamond discourse, right? He made a little bit more of a pushback there to uh, being like, you know, I'm not just out here promoting misinformation for no reason, right? Mm -hmm. Which some, at times, they can totally feel like he's... You mean Neil Young. Neil Young, my bad. I did say Neil Diamond. <laughs> I was at the first time, I was like, what the fuck did you do with Neil Diamond? Did I say The Neil second Diamond time you said Neil Diamond, and I'm did like... Did I say Ugh. Neil Diamond both times? Ugh. Damn, damn. You're going to have to, like, edit me. Hold on. Cut for five seconds. Neil Young. <laughs> Cut. It's Tommy Hilfiger. <laughs> so now we just, every time I say Neil Diamond, just take that and cut it. And people will be like, wow, what, what happened there? This is all staying in. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, that's how Joe Rogan feels right now. Like, no. No. We're going to Candy Mountain. No, Charlie. People are going to think I'm racist. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think Joe Rogan is racist, right? Do I think that Joe Rogan has no problem making racist jokes if it'll get him a laugh? Absolutely. <laughs> Here's the time where it backfired on him. But I do feel like that it would be... Um, heavy-handed to also no hold on excuse me let me take that back i do feel like he'll be fine right joe rogan's gonna be fine spotify didn't pay him like 11 million or whatever the fuck it was like 100 was it like 100 million or something yeah. like that dollars 
for no fucking reason, right? And the Obamas can take their podcast off of Spotify all they want. Joe Rogan's fans are going to stay where they're at. And if anything, I feel like more people will side with him because of his very well put, polished, media trained apology. Right? I mean, I bought his apology. Um, I did. Unlike Whoopi Goldberg, right? Who doubled down when she went on Stephen Colbert and was like. Colbert tried so hard to save her. He tried so hard. I give Whoopi credit for not bringing up the fact that she may or may not have, like, some association with the Jewish ethnicity. And I also, I mean, listen, uh, she stood her ground and she said what she said. And she was like, listen, I said what I said and I'm learning now that I was wrong. But she didn't say it as eloquently as Joe Rogan did, right? Um, and, the irony. Right. And she was... Um, That's because Joe is good at thinking. <laughs> Joe think good, right? Um, listen, I was like Whoopi at one point, right? Like, and I still feel she was like, fun in Rat Race. I still feel like most Jewish people don't consider themselves a race, right? But where I feel like Whoopi's opinion was misguided was in the fact that you. Hold this thought without acknowledging the fact that regardless of how the Jewish people actually saw themselves, right, or people of the Jewish faith see themselves, the Nazi party did not see that that way, right? They no. saw them as the almost absolute bottom of the barrel, right? They were their own sub-race of people to the Nazis, and that is what led to the Final Solution, a.k.a. the Holocaust. Yep. Um, that is what led to mass Jewish refugee exodus out of Europe, as well as, you know, centuries of anti-Semitism that culminated in that point, right? And like, the founding of the State of Israel. Um, and the founding of the State of Israel, right? I don't know. Once again, Whoopi Goldberg will probably be fine. Right? Like, I feel like Whoopi will be fine, but I feel like where we are misguided here in this instance is, is nobody has really, like, explained that to Whoopi, it seems like, right? And Whoopi kind of said that, right? Like, nobody explained it to me that way. And if you think about Whoopi's generation, right, like, it is the generation of people who had things, like, sugar-coated and whitewashed to mm -hmm. them, right? Um, even to the likes of a Whoopi Goldberg, right? Because there is a lot of uh, conflict between, like, the African-American and Jewish communities as far as, like, conspiracies are concerned, right? Yeah. There's a fair bit of anti-Semitism, right? Even in the, like, Hebrew-Israelite movement that has been brewing in America uh, lately, and I guess across the globe. Um... But I feel like the way Whoopi is being dunked on for her, like, statement is a bit as misguided as uh, discrediting Joe Rogan's apology, right? Um, when we're talking about cancel culture, it feels like we can't move forward with public... And this is something I personally agree with, even though I hate the way it's presented on the right, right? Like... The 
the salacious cancel culture uh, movement does gather so much steam that it makes it a little hard for people to like grow and develop like they we literally like beat people into like non-existence right like so that the mistake has been noted and people know like this bad don't do that anymore i know that we have our arguments for being that heavy-handed and i'm not trying to like discredit the social justice movement in any way but what i really feel like going at people like whoopi goldberg and joe rogan does nothing if we are going to continue to allowing or if we're going to continue to allowing if we're going to continue to allow like ron DeSantis and greg abbott to you know make the moves that they're making right and banning crt like because we can't even like okay so t-pain recently came out and was like he thinks that we need to get rid of black history month right he said to tmz at um, Los Angeles International Airport that we need to stop celebrating it. And although we celebrate it, he thinks that we should just have history, right? That, that, that they overshot it. We don't want our own shit. You're separating us again. We want to be a part of history, not just one month. And a lot of people claim, you know, went to the truth that it's the shortest month, right? Um, and there's even been a, from what, they went on to talk about in the rest of that article there's even a growing movement amongst latinos to get rid of latino history month and just or you know latino heritage month and have it just be taught a part of regular history um right and it's like okay that's a great sentiment and all but here's where i have to be like either talk about it or either be about it or shut up right either be about it or don't talk about it yep if we're not going to do make the moves to acknowledge our history when it is time to acknowledge our history, then it seems like a step backwards to get rid of these heritage months that I feel like as misguided as they have become, they are the intentions behind them are good, right? Like we need these, we have these months for, or we have these movements for a reason and i feel like getting rid of them be before we have something better just allows for you know see the cancellation the literal cancellation of like crt and like actual constructive discussion right like the overcorrecting on the right to gain more ground like these people are being successful at getting books that are talking about the experiences of LGBT community, LGBT communities and communities of color banned from even public libraries, not just school systems. Like, let's remember that CRT is not being taught in public schools by uh, curriculum definition, right? Like, there's nothing on curriculum. So this is literally just a movement to rewrite history that is offensive to the political right, right? And this is the fucking white nationalist christian fundamentalist movement right the people that are in their snowflake mode and literally upset about actual history being taught as the white guy i'ma shut up <laughs> you don't have to shut up yo you're allowed to speak out about i mean i just feel like everything you said was just like 
Facts. Right, but I mean, you're allowed to have an opinion on like the fact that as soon as Black History Month started, uh, what is it like six to twelve or six to eight? I think of the historically black colleges in the country had to evacuate campus and um, go virtual over bomb threats made to these uh, historically black colleges. God damn. And, even a couple of churches, right? And whereas the FBI has not found any incendiary or explosive devices yet, they are investigating it as a hate crime, and they have pinpointed what they say they believe are six hackers to um, be behind these calls or um, these fake bomb threats or whatever. But yet, no, there is a clear, like, ethnic and political and racial like divide happening in this country and people who continue to pretend like it acknowledging it is the problem and that we should all just go about uh acting like we're one i feel like are willfully like gaslighting the extremist here on both sides uh to be honest and it's not that acknowledging black history during the month of February is a problem. The problem is that we tend to only do that during the month of February. The same thing with Hispanic Heritage Month and Women's History Month and all of that. Like, instead of just doing these things when it comes time for the season, we need to make a consorted effort to really be better about acknowledging the real history. And then fucking when it comes to terms like CRT like we can really take the uh the air out of the tires of that whole movement right because you can't call it something I guess you can't put a definition to it if it just falls under the term of history right like if we taught history the way that it should be taught we there would be no need for a CRT class right because we would acknowledge how during the reconstruction era racism and white nationalism played into the only successful coup attempt in the country being on a black governor right and we didn't see another black governor after that for like another 20 years if not i think it was more like 80 years but it's i mean most people don't know that because we don't teach history the way that it should be taught the reason why uh fucking Black Wall Street was such a big phenomenon of the past, like, last couple of years is because even people of my delegation, as we call it, didn't know that that was a fucking thing, right? Mm -hmm. And when white social justice warriors found out about it, they were like, how the fuck is this, how the fuck is this the first time I'm, I'm hearing about it? It's such a big thing to, like, I mean, this town literally used planes to, like, bomb people son and most people found out about it because of lovecraft country and the Watchmen. watchman right like shout out to hbo who has been you know a big part of I, once again they did the whole happily ever after series right like hbo has been pretty like uh, a corner a media cornerstone and i guess promoting racial diversity to an extent um okay so before we go on break, I have three quick hits I want you to give me your feedback on. So Rockstar confirms Grand Theft Auto 6. Okay, I mean, we've already talked about the rumors developing from the uh, studios behind that shit. 
And continuing on the real console wars that we said kicked off last week, Sony buys Bungie, the studio behind the first three Halo games. Right, right. So at this point, I'm sure most of our gaming uh, listeners are aware that this is shaping out to be what looks like some real uh, consolidation between two of the biggest studios in the gaming industry right now. really setting the stage for what gaming is going to look like moving forward, right? Uh, so, we had a bad take, and uh, Tom Brady definitely retired. I, I feel like it was probably me who said he wasn't going to retire. It was definitely me. This. It was you? It was me. Oh, okay. Because I, I agreed, right? I thought he would want to You agreed, but it was definitely me that said I thought he would want to go out on a Super Bowl win, but I guess he just wanted to go out on his own terms and announce it himself and not have it be a media spectacle. Yep. And the last one, Kevin Durant sons Stephen A. Smith. Who did he son Stephen A. Smith though? Because I feel like Stephen A. bounced back from that one pretty not I guess not. Stephen out. A. Smith did the Twitter equivalent of standing out front of KD's window with a boombox. Ooh, baby, I love the way. But he wasn't wrong though. Look, I, it's not often I defend Stephen A. Smith, but he I love it every night day. He has been on record saying that Kevin Durant is the best basketball. Stephen A. let him teabag him in Fortnite. Listen, uh, riders gonna ride, ride or die. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't know. Stephen A. Smith just, I don't know why that. He's going through some. He's going through some life crisis. Listen, he's clearly entertaining to people, right? Uh, well, yeah, but he himself, I think he's struggling right now. Like that picture I sent you, I was like, what the fuck are you wearing, Stephen yeah. A? Maybe he going through some shit, right? Maybe. Looked like a backup in a 50 Cent music video from 2005. Listen, maybe the nigga going through a midlife crisis. Maybe he really trying to reestablish his brand and can't figure out where his footing is without Max Kellerman, right? He like trying to be the fucking Tucker Carlson at ESPN, and it's wild to me. Um, dude. Break! Into what could potentially be one of the biggest exoduses that has happened to YouTube since the adpocalypse, right? We're talking about uh, current YouTube drama happening between anime YouTube reviewers and Japanese copyright owners. Hey, all you weebs, you're about to have a lot less subscriptions on your YouTube. Subscriptions? It's about to be a lot. Oh, okay. (laughs) Cut that. (laughs) It took me a minute. I was like, yo, no. Um, Yeah, no. So it looks like... uh, Japanese copyright owners, uh, copyright content owners continue to hit anime YouTube reviewers with devastating channel ending, like copyright strikes, man. And by devastating channel ending, in the legal realm, it is mildly inconveniencing and not worth the resources to fight. 
it's not mildly inconveniencing. This is devastating a lot of people's livelihoods, right? Yeah, like, but if you think about it, like they said in the video, it's they're asking for fines of like eight hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, listen, eight hundred dollars for a small business owner, which a lot of you could really at this point consider a lot of these YouTubers to be, right? Like Philip yeah. DeFranco is a small business owner at this point. Yeah, totally not. Mark has people on the payroll right like yeah. artists illustrators and things and editors and uh producers that he pays to make his youtube show yeah. right like here it's just me and you fucking around and shit like that so it's not like if we get hit with a copyright strike we're not making any fucking money off nope. of this shit so it's not even like we'd really have a dog in the fight but these are people who have established, like, uh, Totally Not Mark has over uh, 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. Hold on. Um, but basically, this whole Japanese media content copyright strike, anything that's being, any Japanese media that's being used is getting copyright flagged because in Japan they don't really have fair use laws. copyright. Right, and so Totally Not Mark has over... 700,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube, mm -hmm. right? The other YouTuber, Swade, whose video, whose channel is effectively dead at this point, had all of his videos removed, and he has over 22, that's 22,000 subscribers. All of his Pokemon content has been copyright hit by ShowPro, right? So yeah. his his channel consists of two uh, one video, at this point <laughs> one video from 22,000 subscribers right like wow. you know so we're looking at like i said the potential mass death of a huge section of youtube's like content creators. of anime youtube right youtube's content creators right yep. like this has to be a significant portion of people who come to youtube for anime reviews and for, I mean, this potentially means that any video containing, because uh, Totally Not Mark said that the uh, Dragon Ball Z images weren't even Toei uh, Dragon Ball images, right? They were images created in-house. Um, and just because it featured the Dragon Ball name, they were hit with a copyright strike. So this could mean that potentially anybody using Japanese media in their YouTube videos could be hit with potential copyright strikes, which is why you have content creators like Suede and Totally Not Mark calling for YouTube to allow universal geo-blocking so that the um, location of these videos or whatever cannot be used as a targeting method. Because if you blank it out from being seen in Japan, Japanese companies can't make the copyright claim. Yeah, so it just feels once again like more misguided like attempts at I, I i don't know what the what the point of this would be right like what is the point of not attacking or what is the point of attacking small content creators for these japanese media companies do you think it'll really like it it is because of these youtube and internet communities sharing this media that the Weeb fandom has grown to the exponential number that it is now. Right? Yes. Like, it's not just because of Toonami and shit like that. It is because of these online fandoms. And potentially, you know, with big effort being given from these YouTube channels. I mean, I'm not going to lie. One of the main reasons I started 
watching Naruto was just so I could understand the memes. So if it becomes... If it becomes a virtually impossible to show these memes or to... At, at least on YouTube, right? These communities have had places to go to before that they, you know, made this content for. It just seems really, like, inconvenient. And uh, here's that word again, misguided yep. <laughs> for Japanese media. Uh, because, I mean, word of mouth is some of the best promo yep. that you could get, right? And they're just, like, putting their foot in their mouth. I don't know. It seems wild to me, but I guess we'll be paying attention to where that goes from here on. Because, I mean, I get some of my anime recommendations from anime YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when I'm looking for, like, top ten best horror animes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, who knows? Uh, it's it's sad, though. Uh, YouTube continues to become a less user and, like, small creator-friendly platform and another huge, like, media-driven factory, yeah. right? Um, and, yeah, it's kind of like we're watching the death of our, what we used to know YouTube as. New website coming up to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how long it's going to take, right? Like, because I guess that was my takeaway from this, is, like, how long will it take before a new contender pops up that isn't TikTok, right? Like, because TikTok seems to be the closest contender we have to uh, a YouTube as far as video sharing platform goes. But you can't do, like, long-form no. anime reviews on a TikTok. No. I don't know. As TikTok, as YouTube continues to become a place that is more and more, increasingly more and more difficult for people to make an actual living on, um, it makes me wonder how long it will be before we see something pop up, or are people just going to go back to daily motion <laughs> and use that trash-ass UI that's over there? God damn it! I was on there trying to watch the fucking. Uh, I won't put it on blast because. It's kind of hard to find this shit now, but it exists on Daily Motion. <laughs> if you've got time for ad after ad after ad with the most buggy fucking user interface ever, then yeah, go ahead and find old funny clips of Joel McHale on fucking Daily Motion. Dude, I use YouTube to MP3, MP4 converter. I get you with the endless ads. Yeah, no, I listen, we're both there. I guess closing out, did you want to talk about some of the uh, local legislation that we've got coming up here? We can talk about a little bit of the local legislation that I am politically involved in. There we go. That's how you set up a clean In area. 17 days, if no one else decides to run, I will have won my election by having nobody run against me. Oh God, it feels like it's all happened so fast. And here we are, you know, at the finishing mark. Like, last lap, how you feeling? I have done literally nothing. And do you, you feeling lucky? <laughs> you feeling like you would get it? You don't feel like at the last minute they're gonna be like, this guy has literally done nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't feel like this guy is actively trying to damage his credibility. And still did not seek it. Yep. Um, well, I mean, hopefully that means you can help push through 
what looks like to be Maryland's marijuana recreational legalization bill. A vote for me is a vote for weed. It was announced the other day um, in the uh, on a like WBAL article that there is a new bill on the ballot in November's upcoming midterm to legalize recreational marijuana. So specifically, they are drafting a referendum to introduce. Um, and a referendum is a flat-out democratic vote. Yes. A democratic public vote. Like, voters, you decide. The bill would create an implementation plan on the findings of a House Cannabis Referendum Workgroup uh, House Speaker Adrian Jones announced in it in the new release. While I feel strongly that the voters should decide the issue, it is the General Assembly that is charged with making sure we have a legal, defensible, e- equity-driven plan in place should they choose legalization, Jones said, a Baltimore County dip- uh, Democrat. Um, so, essentially what he's saying is, if this bill is introduced, then we need to, uh, a, a couple of things that come along with it are the expunging of marijuana uh, yep. charges, as well as the expedition of marijuana sentences, as long as they only charge on the sentence is like a marijuana possession charge. Um, Basically them just going, yeah, we fucked up, our bad. It would legalize recreational marijuana uh, possession of up to 1.5 ounces and make a misdemeanor of possession anymore. It wouldn't even make it a misdemeanor. It's now a civil offense. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I meant. A civil offense of possession up to, like, what was it, like 2.5 ounces or something like that? So, I mean, listen, for personal use, that's a decent amount to be allowed to have on you. And with the way that the medical community has gone in Maryland so far. I think that, you know, um, with this being the second time, I feel like in the recent, my recent voting history, that marijuana legalization has been on the ballot in Maryland, I definitely think this has a good chance of passing. Yup. Right? But not if... I will be lobbying as hard as I have been campaigning. But not <laughs> if former... Anne Arundel County Councilman um, Anthony Peruca <laughs> has anything to say about it, right? Um, Anthony Peruca, a councilman known for his southern secessionist ties, is running for attorney general in Maryland. Lovely! Uh, um, Peruca is known uh, for his ties to the Southern Nationalist Organization a group described by the ACLU as a hate group. Uh, oh, <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, uh, the no, excuse me, the Southern Poverty Law Center, not the ACLU, right? With, with look, a group of white people with aims to establish a Christian theocratic state and, politi- and politically dominate black people and other minorities. Huh. Um, as described by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And this gentleman is running for... Um, attorney general against who did we say uh, was it Anthony Brown or whatever no Anthony Brown is our uh, representative yeah but I think he's running for attorney general as well yeah so no this dude has also been described as a Roy Moore supporter and was asked by his fellow Republicans and Democrats to step down Um, 
after it came out that he was a supporter of Alabama's U.S. representative who was accused of inappropriate sexual conduct with multiple women and minors. And this guy is running for attorney general of Maryland, right? Like, I did, that's, I, I brought it up because... Not if I have anything to say about it. Uh, <gasps> Anne Arundel County Democratic Central Committee Member District 31 Representative Dan Glennon here to stop this. Because <laughs> I'm like, what you gonna do, dog, when you uh, win this? And I honestly, I really don't think he has any chance. He's been... Um, He's lost several elections before. He even had a failed presidential run in 2004. But with candidates like Marjorie Taylor Greene making the news, uh, it just seems like as much as I would like to say his chances of winning attorney general are slim to none, I'll campaign against him. I'll just go on stage, be like, can you all hear me? That guy's a dick. Thank you. I thought you were going to say, none of this is normal. Bye, guys. (laughs) No, seriously, though. uh, Yeah, make sure you go out and vote this uh, November because the midterms will absolutely, as, as I'm sure you've heard at this point, and people always say this, but I really feel like it's more important now than it has been in the recent past to go out and vote in your midterms this election. Yeah, because you can put me in office. The Democratic majority is, like, hanging by a thin thread. Uh, the the Biden agenda, right, uh, whatever the fuck that looks like at this point, is almost non-existent because of the pushback that we've gotten from some of the people that are supposed to be on the side of progress. Um, and honestly, the Democrats are uh, in fucking shambles. So make sure you go out and vote some sensible people into office. I like me! That could have been I'd vote for me, and you can too. And you guys can find us at the Flood Pod on everything. And that's, that's on, on everything. everything. Don't forget to check out our sister podcast, Fucking Up 40, and the homie podcast, Scrape No Chase. And for anybody looking for Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, you can check out Token MTG and Edgewater, or check out their website. If you use the promo code Ziggy, you will get 10% off of your order. And if you are there on Thursday nights playing Flesh and Blood, you very well might just see me there. And you guys can catch us every Saturday. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Even Spotify. And remember, y'all, none of this is normal. There you go. Keep your death threats to 140 characters or less. Deuces. Be safe. Deuces. Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. It is time to talk about it.